Hey guys, it's Trey Asada. And Josh Bishop. And welcome back to another episode, Season 2, Episode 2 of Two View Crew. And we have a really awesome guest coming on, former agent Matt Babcock. And he does a lot of draft evaluating right now. So we're going to go in deep dive into the draft and his background and everything that you think that an agent does and what they really do. Yeah, and despite, you know, the whole coronavirus growing on, he Babcock Hoops, according to him, is still busy. They're 100%. still evaluating everyone using film. Um, and Therese and I, I think this will be a fun episode. We have some pretty different uh, <laughs> opinions on people. Yeah. I'm when really, do we know? When do we know? <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes we don't. Uh, that's also I, true, I mean, yeah. With the Luka draft, I feel like we were kind of locked, yeah. locked step. But mm-hmm. um, I know, like, with Obi Toppin, I'm a big Obi Toppin guy. I, I think he's a top three, four. I, 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 it's not about him being top three, four talent. Honestly, I, I hope we uh, – it's not about that. I just think this draft is historically weak, and I don't see Obi Toppin as a perennial All Star. I see him as a guy who makes the All Star team one or two times. Well, you never know. You, I mean, you, you're right. You're right. They, they called Andrew Wiggins Maple Jordan, and he was consensus <laughs> one. So, it's the the draft is kind of a crapshoot. That that, that that draft was crazy. It, you're 100 percent right. It's a crapshoot because I like Jabari Parker out of that draft a lot. I did too. I love Jabari I Parker. I did too. Um, yeah. It's interesting because you know people talk about the drafts and we were right on the Luca draft and you were a little bit wrong on the Trey one. I was obviously. very wrong. I was a hundred percent wrong. I, I, I thought his ceiling was basically what it is right now. You know, so I'm a little bit wrong too. I thought it was going to be Isaiah Thomas that MVP year. Um, he's not as efficient as Isaiah Thomas was that one year where he was in MVP contention, but he's very good offensively. Like Isaiah Thomas and he's better as a, has better vision, more uh, assist qualities that, you know, I guess, I guess he's more of a point guard than Isaiah Thomas is. Yeah. Um, um Isaiah was a pure scorer, but yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I, I just, I'm shocked often at how wrong I was about Trey Young. I mean, I, I think you are in the majority. I think most of the people are wrong, but, but Trey I'm Young. happily. Yeah. Um, oh, as a uh, Hawks fan, I, it's pretty absolutely. great having you know the number two guy in the league in assists behind LeBron. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And he yeah. shoots like crazy. Yeah, just imagine how bad the Hawks would be if he wasn't on the team. You know, I oh. I, I try not to imagine it because it'd be horrible. <laughs> but uh, we'd have people still putting out stats like Cam Reddish and being compared to Kevin Durant and uh, LeBron James. I won't no. name names. We love you, Kevin. <laughs> we love you. We, we love, love you, Kevin. But come on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I mean, like talking about the draft, the crapshoot. Like with, we were talking about this before. The concept of how good you are drafting is really going to be proven right now. Um, like, because we can't see the players in one-on-one workouts. Like, the teams that don't draft well are going to struggle this year because they can't see the players one-on-one. So they're going to have to build it off tape. And it's hard to really evaluate a player off tape if you can't get the individual workout, you know? Yeah, in some ways, I think it might be possibly even easier this year to hit on the surefire players, yeah. though, because you're not going to talk yourself into a mm-hmm. guy who dominated a workout, yep. but really wasn't there all year. I mean, I'm the kind of guy that I like. I like high high floors, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's why I like Toppin. So you 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 often bring up that he's a at best two time All Star or something like yeah. that. Well, but he's a he's a at worst you know rotation level player. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So I like I, I like players that um you know have high floors, and I, I'll sacrifice on the ceiling for that. And I think there's a lot of players in this draft like that, and I think that. We might see less chances being taken because all you've got is what they've done in college or overseas. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's going to be interesting, and I hope uh, 
that Corona doesn't affect the NBA draft enough to where it's not going to be televised because now it's been said uh, rumors are circulating that the NFL draft is going to be canceled completely. Um, so I don't know what's going to go on with that. But honestly, I think like the biggest thing is like you we talk about this boom bust. Like Corona is definitely going to play in a factor. Like the teams that draft well, like the Lakers, the Heat, etc., late in the rounds are going to really pick. Well, do the Lakers draft well? Yeah, they do. They've always found some good talent out of it. Kuzma, he's a 29 overall pick. Uh, what's his name? Julius Randle wasn't bad. I mean, he was a lottery pick. Seven. Yeah, he was. They took Lonzo Ball too. Yeah, Malonzo. Lonzo's a good player. I, I don't know if he's a second overall pick player, yeah, but like, if versus the only other person you would have drafted before him, I, I probably would have drafted Darren Fox just because how they, well they matched up. Well, part of I think part of with the Lakers is I don't even know if they draft bad players. I just think it's really hard for rookies. To play well in LA, because if you notice, Brandon Ingram and Alonzo have been way better. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And, and it's, it's funny you talk about Brandon Ingram because I was so high on Brandon Ingram with that draft. I liked him. He's my number one coming out in that draft. And uh, to him to be in the the conversation where he's better than Ben Simmons potentially, I think uh, I, I I've been always down on Ben Simmons. He's a fantastic player. Um, hate 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 watching him play hate his limitations hate the sixers so all of that factors in um as you can see as you can see shoot a three coward shoot a damn three. We, neither of us we're if you want to ask anything about the sixers we are not your guys because we both just personally <laughs> don't like the sixers yeah, yeah ben yeah. ben simmons just seems like a jerk yeah joel can be i like i like joel i like joel i like joel their entire team mood is like when they're winning they're tough guys they're rough riders but when they're losing they're sobbing in the locker room and it hey man they have the 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 leading contender for fake tough guy the guy uh you know they have simmons but you know it's funny because i hated that team even more with jimmy butler on that team everyone loves like oh my god jimmy butler in the third stringer jimmy butler in this jimmy butler literally will tell everybody on the street how hard he works he'll go up to the homeless man and be like hey man did you know i was homeless you should take yourself out of homeless too too okay like he'll tell you like look at me now bro like i hate 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 that attitude because like okay yeah it's swagger and confidence i love that feeling but jimmy butler will tell everybody in the league how hard he worked just to get a second round exit every single year. Okay, well, I don't feel that strongly about Jimmy Butler as Trace, but I do feel that strongly about Ben Simmons, least favorite player in the league. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, just building off that, I think it's going to be a really interesting interview uh, with Matt and just everything going on. Uh, you know, he has a lot of insight in the draft that a lot more than me and you do, you know? Obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Being quarantined inside, playing Call of Duty and. Yeah, and Yu-Gi-Oh! Can't forget Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! Doing <laughs> Shout out. Um, but yeah. Well, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think that's it. We're going to have a great uh, show up coming with Matt Babcock. Uh, thanks for tuning in and yeah. uh, looking forward know. to Let us know how it is. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of 2V Crew. We have a very special guest, former NBA agent Matt Babcock, and he also does a lot of stuff with the draft, so we're excited to have him on, talk about content and the draft in this very troubling time. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, we're super excited to have you. We we brushed up on our homework a little bit for uh, <laughs> who's you know kind of in the lottery for this year, and uh, I noticed that from, from my notes, I didn't really see any just surefire number ones. Um, it felt like everybody I looked at, I wasn't 100% sure about. Um, and the most, perhaps the most naturally talented prospect, I am not a big fan of because I've just seen, you know, I would say LaMelo Ball is probably the most naturally talented. 
um, in terms of passing the ball and just flow on offense. Mm-hmm. And But he also has uh, moments I noticed where he just forgets to play defense. <laughs> he kind of falls asleep. Yeah. He takes 30-foot shots, you know, and it's like, I don't know if I really like that. Um, what's the... What's the vibe you're getting with other agents and with the NBA about who who's going to go number one or who's the top three or what's the consensus out there? Uh, you know, I think um, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Obviously, before a draft lottery, it's to say what's the order going to be. And uh, I think sort you know towards the top of the draft, um, there is quite a bit of parity. I personally, um, I've got seven guys in my first tier, mm-hmm. uh, that being uh, Wiseman, uh, Edwards, Toppin, Ball. Abdia, Akungwu, and Killian Hayes. Yeah, like, and I think a lot of it's a lot of it's going to depend on uh, you know who's picking where. You know the yeah. team. You know, I think team needs are a little bit more um, you know prioritized this year than than, than in recent years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know we'll we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So. Um, you know, I was born to a basketball family. My, my dad and two uncles have all worked in the NBA since, uh, I mean, my oldest uncle started working in the, NBA in the late 70s. So I was, you know, born into it. Um, always planned on being a coach or going to scouting. Um, I, I finished up at the University of Arizona um, and, and was trying to get my first job in basketball. And uh, my, my first job was an internship with Wasserman Media Group, which at the time was the, the biggest sports agency in all of sports. Um, I did mostly um, on-court workouts. I still was hoping to be a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I, uh, I I took a coaching job in Italy. Uh, wow. Did that for a short while, and um, then I was offered a job by uh, Excel Sports Management to essentially be like a junior agent. And that's that's kind of how it all started. I, I didn't really have a plan to be an agent. Um, I didn't go to law school. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just got a good job opportunity and just kind of ran with it. And uh, one thing led to another, and um, you know, 11 years later, you know, I was, I was an agent and yeah. decided, Hey, you know what? I, t- I talked to my wife and it was like, you know, I kind of want to get back closer to my roots and do something a little bit more basketball you know, directly basketball related and yeah. uh, made a switch. And here I am covering the draft and oh, talking awesome. hoops a lot. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. uh, if you wanted to be a coach, you probably played. Did you ever play in high school or anything like that? Yeah, I played in high school. Uh, I was a pretty good player in high school, and then I, uh, I played at a junior college in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I was recruited by some uh, low and mid division ones and uh, schools. And I, I hurt my knee, uh, kind of screwed up my recruitment. I decided to uh, to walk on at University of Arizona, so I, I played at, at uh, Arizona. Wow, that's awesome. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, how was the you know like with with that going in? Do you think being around all this basketball? Um, what's been your favorite part of just being around the basketball world? Uh, I mean, that's, that's a tough question. There's so many, so many different parts and angles <laughs> yeah. and levels. And, um, I, I just, I just love the game overall. And I mean, I'm like you guys, I'm sure I'm kind of, kind of, I'm hurting right now. I feel like I'm in depression mode. It's not really answering your question, but, uh, yeah, I just, I, you know, I, I feel very fortunate to have my background and, and grow up in the game and, um, to be able to you know be around it and, and do it every single day. I mean, I wake up and, you know, checking stats and talking to people about, about different stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. about, about basketball. And, um, yeah, I just, I love the game, man. Yeah. 100%. Well, I mean, I didn't mean to mean to gloss over it, but I mean, playing at Arizona, that's a, that's a basketball powerhouse. Yeah. So like what position did you play? Is there anybody of note that you played with that we would know? And like, how did that go for you? Yeah, no. So I was a, I was a combo guard. Uh, I was more of a uh, undersized shooting guard shooter. Yeah. Um, it never played. Our team was unbelievable. We, uh, so my, my last year there, we, uh, we lost in the elite eight to oh. Illinois, which was led by Darren Williams. Okay. Um, I, I thought we had the most talent in the entire country. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, our starting lineup was uh, Mustafa Shakur, Salim Stoudemire, mm-hmm. Hassan Adams, Ivan wow. Radinovich, and then uh, Channing Fry. Wow. And so we had, a, we had a, you know, I mean, that was just our starting lineup. Our, 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 uh, our backups were good, too. And, um, you know, needlessly, I, I didn't play a whole lot at all, or at all actually. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. How did that, uh, you know, how did that kind of impact your, like, you know, kind of mindset of going into basketball, you know, being around it, being uh, part of a, such a special team like that, being around a powerhouse, you know, did that help you make contacts? Did that help you with uh, just kind of being around it all? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that was sort of where I was at in my, uh, my short college career. Um, you know, I kind of, you know, with my knee injuries and, and, you know, the recruitment not being where I quite wanted, um, I chose to go to a big school like that to have the experience and to network and kind of see how that all worked, mm-hmm. knowing that my next step was going to be in basketball. I, I mean, I didn't, you know, like I said, I didn't know it was going to be in the agency business, yeah. uh, but I knew, you know, being at a program like that, it would be a great experience and I would meet a lot of interesting people and learn. Um, and, I, and I definitely did that. I'm, you know, really happy that, that I ended up having that, that experience. Yeah, absolutely. So if you would... What tell us, you know, take us behind the curtain of what an agent actually does. I know that you, you represent players generally, and I guess you negotiate contracts and handle trades and stuff like that. Take us behind the curtain of what what it is exactly that you do, and maybe some of the people you represented, or and maybe a cool story that you know came from that. Yeah. yeah, sure. I mean, an agent does a lot. I mean, you know, technically on paper, we're we're uh, we're paid to negotiate contracts. Uh, yeah. That's I mean, that's the simplest part of an agent's job. Um, you know, I think they, a lot of times, at least with me, um, I kind of handled a little bit of everything with a player's life, you know, it, it just sort of being an advisor and a life coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, then, and then we happen to get paid for negotiating their contracts, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, technically, you know, we're, we're the middleman for a player uh, to make money on his likeness and his, his basketball ability. So whether that be from a team, you know, we broker that, uh, or, you know, any kind of marketing opportunities, uh, we would broker that as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the that's the simple version of what an agent does, but it, it usually encompasses a lot lot more than that. 100%. Uh, who did you represent, if uh, if anybody? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I worked for a number of different agents and agencies and um, ended up launching my own agency at one point, too. And uh, so I worked, worked with all kinds of different players. When I was with the big agencies, um, I was never the primary agent for our guys, but we had um, we had all kinds of big names. Kevin Garnett, Chauncey Billups, Jason Kidd, um, Paul Pierce. Ron Artest. I mean, so I I'd kind of worked with a lot of the big name guys, even though I was just a younger, uh, you know, complimentary agent. Uh, and then when I went on my own, I kind of found a niche. I, I got away from the big company stuff. Um, and a big part of it is I, I really didn't like the recruiting for, for top level guys. Mm-hmm. It was pretty, it was pretty competitive. And yeah. Yeah. Um, it just, I, I didn't have a stomach for it to be honest. No, I get, I get. And, um, I, so I found a niche of, uh, getting you know, more second round type picks, fringe NBA players, mm-hmm. and, and, and having a lot of players that would play overseas. And, and that was sort of, uh, ended up being sort of my bread and butter, um, yeah, so I during that time I represented uh, some of the French guys. I represented Miroslav Radulica, oh, wow. a Serbian um, center playing in the NBA for three or four years. Mm-hmm. We had DJ Stephens from Memphis, um, Jordan Mickey from from. Uh, oh, I remember LSU. Jordan Mickey. Yeah, we actually did. Uh, awesome, we actually yeah. did the um, largest deal for a second round pick um, in NBA history at that point for Jordan. So, so I mean that was that was you know a success of ours. And uh, but yeah, I just had a lot of guys like that that weren't you know the huge names, but uh, you know I was kind of behind the scenes, kind of you know moving and shaking. So you said that you said you didn't have the stomach for it. I'm sure you could have kept doing it if you wanted to, but what is it about going after those top level guys versus a Jordan Mickey that made you like going for the Jordan Mickeys more? Yeah. Well, um, I think 
you know, obviously it's a case by case deal. Every situation is a little bit different, but you know, what would happen is, okay, a lottery pick or a first round pick, um, you know, one thing with the recruiting that's really important of the conversation is, is marketing. And so yeah. I like to operate as an independent agent and I have partnerships and I do a lot of marketing on my own, but I kind of lack some of the firepower that a big company would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it's just how I, you know, how I chose to kind of lay out our infrastructure. And so I was at a disadvantage from the get go anyway, just being an independent agent compared to these big hitter corporate companies. Uh, so you got that in, in mind. And then a lot of times, um, you know, the high profile guys, the recruitment isn't real clean. I mean, sort of, you know, what's kind of come out in the last couple of years with the FBI investigation, there's a layer cake of different, you know, some shape or form of bribery. And so I'm not saying that happens every single time, but that happens a lot. And, uh, that's just not really my MO. And I, I tried to avoid that as much as I could, but it's in that business, it's kind of like operating with a, you know, one arm tied behind your back. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I kind of, I kind of just removed myself from the situation of those kind of players. Cause like I said, I wasn't, wasn't necessarily equipped for it from a marketing standpoint. And then yeah. I just like things pretty straight up in the claim. Yeah. Well, 100%. we, we commend you for that. That's really cool. I mean like the, the second, you know, second round guys need representation too. Yeah, and I'm sure that they really appreciate you and, I'm sure a lot of them are probably really appreciative of, you know, the personal touch that you can offer them and, you know, keeping everything clean. But, uh, yeah, I also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm sure you worked a lot of the, uh, worked around the NBA drafts. Can you talk us what the process is like being an agent and then now just being on the other side of things where you're kind of evaluating talent? Yeah, it, uh, yeah, the pre-draft process. I mean, you know, starts in you know March and April fully, where we're, we're recruiting, you know, agents recruiting, you know, trying to sign players, hop on playing left and right, taking last-minute meetings, and it's pretty stressful. And then you, know, you figure out who your your rookie class is going to be. You know, I generally wouldn't like to you know, represent more than you know four or five rookies myself per draft because it's just it's so much work. And the the work of it is. Um, you know, you're the middleman between the player and the teams. And so the first step is to gather information from the teams. You know, how do you value my client? How do you see him, you know, translating to the NBA? And, and that's how you kind of get a get a pulse on what a player's market value is. And from there, you know, now you're the middleman to help, you know, schedule his workout, um, his, you know, team visits, workout schedule, uh, which, you know, at times can be, you know, up to 15 plus, you know, vi- you know trips and, and workouts for a player. And so it's, it's, uh, it's just a lot of, a lot of day-to-day management, yeah. uh, you know, staying organized. And um, I mean, the most an agent will ever work is during the pre-draft for a rookie, you know, incoming rookie. Yeah. So what is it like for um, those those prospects, you know, mid or top level going through that process? Is it really hard on them and you have to kind of help them through that? Or what's that look like for them? Yeah, it depends on the level of the player. I mean, the, the higher up the player, the less work there is. I mean, it's more of, you know, you're managing their marketing rather than, than a workout schedule. I mean, for yeah. example, um, you know, some of those guys we, we listed before, the, the you know, my tier one guys, mm-hmm. um, they're probably going to, you know, work out for one, two, three teams, if that. Yes. Um, and so there's not a whole lot to schedule, uh, but there's a lot of marketing opportunities going on, right? Um, and so, you know, the further you go down the draft, the more competitive it is to move up. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, for like a second round pick, like a solid second round pick, um, essentially everybody's an option, you know, and, and cause if you go on drafted, you're a free agent and, um, yeah, so it just depends, you know, that there's the, the high level guys, which I think is a piece of cake, you know, representation wise yeah. to like a solid second round pick. And then, you know, if you got a guy that's, you know, a borderline pick or more of like a summer league type guy, mm-hmm. that's a hard job too. Cause you're pretty much having to knock everybody's door down. Like, Hey, take a look at my guy, like, please, you know, and, yeah. uh, you're yeah. sort of at the mercy of the teams, but it could be a frustrating job, but yeah, it really, the, the job of an agent really just changes depending on the player you're representing. Mm-hmm. 100%. And you know, 
I know you are doing a lot of draft stuff. Do you have any fits for certain teams in the lottery? Who do you think goes where? Or who fits yeah, best? Yeah, we're looking at uh, updating our mock draft uh, tomorrow. And so, I mean, looking at the, 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 the most recent um, – you know, slottings, I mean, which is, I'm assuming, going to stick until they decide to do a draft lottery, which yeah, who yeah. knows who knows what that will be. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so Golden State's got number one. Uh, I mean, I've been I've been hot on Wiseman for them for, for most of the yeah, year. Um, I mean, I think it, it could be, you know, debated, you know, could they look at Anthony Edwards, um, Obi Toppin, uh, Onyeka Okungwu. I think all of those guys are, are going to be in the mix. I personally think Wiseman's, a, you know, a, a perfect fit because they're, they're in a situation where – you know they they want to win now. I mean they've yeah. got these these multiple All Star Hall of Fame level guys mm-hmm. um, that are still probably you know towards the tail end of their prime, but in their prime, uh, they might be able to win another ring or two. And um, you know some teams don't don't get that opportunity at all. So I mean if they're able to add a piece that they could stick in right away, uh, I think they will. And I think Wiseman fits that fits that that bill perfectly. And um, yeah, Cleveland the second pick is is a little interesting too. They've used two lottery picks on point guards. Uh, the last few years with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, you know, for me, Anthony Edwards would be the next top guy. And uh, does he fit? I don't know. And they seem like they're investing in Kevin Porter. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Minnesota, I would love Obi Toppin there. I yeah. think he'd be yeah, so yeah, perfect be next to Carl Towns. And um, I think I'm gonna go with Okungwu to Atlanta at four. Uh, even though they just brought in Capella, I think Okungwu is too good to you know to to, to pass awesome. up there. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, those guys, those first four. That's that's sort of I, that's where I'm leaning right now to of updating our mock draft with those picks. Okay, interesting. So building off that, um, you know, being an agent, you know, how much fluff is there between the relationship between media, like media and agents? Like how much of it is like you know what we see as a general public is true, and how much of it's just BS rumors that you know help out your client or um, who you're representing. Um, you know, I think, I think there is a lot of BS out there. I mean, I think there's a number of guys in each draft that are hyped up in the media and, and among fans more so than they are behind closed doors with agents and, and teams and whatnot. Um, you know, it, it just, it really just depends. I mean, I think sometimes there, there's good information out there and sometimes there's not. And, uh, yeah. you know, really with how I try and do everything in, in my life and business is I look at everything, you know, from an isolated standpoint and each player situation is a little bit different and, um, just take it case by case. Yeah. Is there a is there a player in this draft that you would say fits that billing where there's maybe more hype for them in the media, but agents and teams are really not as interested as the media seems to think? Um, yeah, the, the name that would come to mind there, I, I don't know as far as agents go. I think they're probably on on more of like the media bandwagon. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Cole Anthony. I oh, I hate Cole Anthony. You know, I, I question <laughs> Cole Anthony quite a bit, and, and don't get me wrong, he's a talented kid. Yeah. I just don't think he's as well thought of uh, by NBA teams and, and, and people within the industry as he is by fans in the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm a little concerned with um, his ability to be a point guard at the next level. I mean, he's a pretty you know tunnel vision scorer, self serving guy, mm-hmm. and even though he's talented, you know, I think there needs to be a, a good role for him to sort of be himself mm-hmm. and. I question is he good enough to be the main guy with the ball in his hands, you know, you know, primary option in offense, being like that. So that's the one guy that comes to mind. And then personally, I've battled with people all year on Tyrese Maxey. 
Yeah. I know there, there are teams that do like him. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's as extreme as it is with Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just personally, I have him rated lower than, than most, you know, most people. I just think he's, you know, I don't think he can play point guard. I think he's an undersized two guard. And I like some of the things he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I, I have him more of like a late first, early second. Whereas, I mean, I think it's, you know, a lot of the media have him as a lottery pick, which mm-hmm. um, like a late I just lottery. I just think it's too high. So, yeah, but uh, yeah. those are two names that, that come to mind. So, I would say I'm, I'm interested to hear another big media guy is Lamelo Ball. So, I, <laughs> I our sev, your top seven was almost identical to mine. Like I, th- I think highly of Obi Toppin. I don't know why people don't. I really like Wiseman. I really like Edwards. Um, I like Avdia, and I love Okongwu. But I've noticed that I think maybe the most naturally talented flow wise is maybe Lamelo. But there's things I didn't like. But he says he likes Lamelo number one. So what what is it you know you're hearing about him and what do you think about Lamelo? Yeah, yeah. So I mean I uh, I like Lamelo. I, I think there has been quite a bit of hype around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I you know what I like about him is he's got great size. I mean yeah. they list him at six seven. I think he's probably closer to six six. Yeah. Um, you know so he's he's a legitimate six six point guard. Um, that's got a knack to make plays. I mean, he's he's very crafty. He's got he's got the ball on a string. I mean, his handles are tight, and he you know just a natural playmaker. Um, he's got deep range on his shot. I mean, he's not efficient, which I think it's more of shot selection rather than broken mechanics. And so yeah. that's something that's just you know you hope will just uh, you know improve as he matures as a as a person and, and as a player. Um, you know, so he's good. I mean, I think that first tier of guys they they can all be on the board depending on who's picking with with all the early picks. Yeah. Um, you know, is he a guy that I think is clearly in that first two or three guys? No, not for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, could be for certain teams. I'm thinking, you know, if like New York, we're gonna get number one. Yeah. I mean, they need to address point guard, right? Is yeah. is he in the mix? I think he'll be in the mix. You know, yeah. is he the, the number one pick? I don't think I would go there, but you know, there's a good chance. Um, you know, some of the issues with him is um, I don't think he's that athletic. I think he depends more on skill, yeah, uh, coordination and length. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not very athletic, you know, his body's filling out a little bit, but he's physically weak. Um, and then his, uh, his decision-making, I mean, some of the shots he takes, he, he, he plays pretty flashy. Yeah. Um, and sort of, sort of the fine line. Okay. He's a playmaker and he's a baller. Right. And, uh, no pun intended there. It, uh, it, uh, but you know, he's got, I think he's got to, you know, become a little bit more conservative as a player. And so those are some of my issues with him, but it's not, not overly concerning, but again, um, you know, I don't see him as like, Hey, this guy's the number one pick. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was interesting because, you know, I, I I remember a couple years ago I was doing a lot of stuff. You know, I've been doing a lot of scouting stuff the last couple years, especially the Luka draft. And uh, I thought Luka and he thought Luka were the best players in the draft. But it's hard to put, you know, there was a lot of concerns because we see these guys play in the foreign leagues, you know, and everyone knows the EuroLeague is better than college basketball. But the this concern with Luka was always – He's not quick enough. He's not fast enough. He's not crafty enough to continue to be as good as he was. Obviously, that turned out to be not true. And uh, that's why, you know, he got picked. Well, a lot of concern was that's why he got picked third instead of being picking, you know, um, at one or two. Uh, And now I think it's interesting to see the same thing kind of happen with these guys um, that we see foreign. Like, LaMelo is in that same kind of boat. You know, we're we're seeing him playing the Australian League. How good is the competition? Probably a little better than Division One, if not... um, a little bit equal depending on the top tier teams but i think personally like lamello yeah it's like flashy but i think the right team drafting him not the knicks but if somebody like the warriors were to take a chance on him i think he'd be very special 
Yeah, no, he's definitely got upside. I mean, he can, you know, I think he's somewhat of a high risk, high reward guy because it's yeah. just it's size and it's just natural, natural talent. You're right. He's got, he's got major upside. Um, but the, you know, there's some concerns there too. And I mean, you know, they, they seem like they've got the off the court stuff with the family and the dad yeah. under control, <laughs> but you know, is it uh, somewhat concerning? Yeah, yeah I think it, yeah. I think it is. Um, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think it would necessarily scare me from you know taking him. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think it's part of the conversation still. Mm-hmm. So regardless of box draft, so let's take, let's take our order out. Who would you say is your, your number one? Cause me and him have been disagreeing about this as well. Who's your number one, regardless of mock draft, just best prospect. <laughs> it's, <laughs> tough. it's tough. It's just, it is pretty close. It, it sort of depends on, you know, what are you, what are you, what are you trying to do with your team? Yeah. And, yeah. Cause it's just, you know, so you got, I, I'm still high on Wiseman. I understand the argument. Okay. He's a big guy in a, in a, in a game that, that is kind of getting away from those kind of players. Mm-hmm. He's still seven foot one. Yeah. That's a fluid athlete that finishes at the rim, mm-hmm. rebounds, block shots, and he's skilled. I mean, I yeah. think he's going to be able to shoot threes. So, I mean, he, you know, I'm not going to answer your, your your question directly, but I'll give you I'll give you a loose answer here. I would probably go with these three guys as my top guys: is Wiseman, uh, Edwards, and Toppin, mm-hmm. with a Kung Wu knock on the door. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and not that. not necessarily in that order either. I just I I really have those guys pretty close. Um, they're just yeah. they're so different. It's hard to it's hard to say. You know, I agree with you, yeah. and I and I've really I liked how you said Okung Wu and Toppin because those are the two guys that I just don't feel like I've heard enough at the top, especially Toppin. And I'm thinking, I watch him at Dayton, you know, go for 28, 20 and 8 on 63% shooting. He's a freak athlete. Um, the only thing I would say about him is on, on the defensive end, he's, he's a powerful jumper, but he's almost not like a quick jumper. You know what I mean? So if you can get him on a pump fake, he doesn't get up as quick as like Okungwu. Um, but he just seems so powerful to me. I don't know. I don't really know why. The highest I see him is like six, five or six. It's like the highest I see him anywhere. You're talking about Toppin or Okungwu? Toppin. I see Okungwu pretty high, but I haven't yeah. seen Toppin above five or six, and that's most of them have him seven, seven ish. Right. I mean, I, I think uh, based on my conversations with NBA people, I think most people have him pretty high. Okay. Um, I'm after, I've even heard teams have him as high as number one. Wow. Um, wow. You know, I it uh, yeah, he's. I mean, I was in Maui. Um, you had to watch Dayton for several days in a row. And yeah. He's he's just really good. <laughs> he's yeah, really good. And I mean, defensively, it's not the. Um, I think he's a pretty quick jumper and a good mm-hmm. second jumper. Um, lateral quickness is a little bit of an issue there. I mean, yeah. He's a pretty north-south athlete, mm-hmm. even though he's he's elite uh, at being a north-south athlete. But you know, that's where a lot of the comparisons are drawn to Amari Stoudemire. That's kind of how Amari was. I mean, he's very. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's uh, jumps out of the gym and he's you know if he's coming at you downhill. Um, you know, he's coming hard, you know, but he's not moving his feet that great, you know, which you know, so, I mean, I've seen some people put him as like a, as a guy that could be, you know, play, play on the wing. Yeah. I don't see that. No. I think he's, I think he's a modern power forward. Yeah. I think he's a four uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, I'd be, I'd be shocked if Obi got out of the top five. I, I think oh, he's wow. just got too much, too much, uh, you know, talent. He, he's such a dynamic guy offensively. So, um, are you still traveling to see these players a lot? And if you are, who's been, uh, the most impressive in person, maybe? traveled all season long i mean i watched a number of different guys uh pretty much watch everybody yeah. um yeah i mean obi Toppin's the guy i mean i went into this season uh excited about him mm-hmm. you know but i still needed needed to see more i hadn't seen him in person uh, yeah. last year watched his own film and really liked him um and then i saw him in maui for several days and he was big time uh, and then watched him again uh shortly after that and he's the guy that you know seeing him in person you know moved, moved him up the most um 
Yeah, and then I mean, as far as now, I mean, I, I had planned to travel. I, I was uh, um, I was all set to go to the Big East tournament, mm-hmm. uh, and then the Big Ten tournament, you know, followed by the NCAA tournament, and um, yeah, obviously all those plans have been scratched. Uh, now we're just watching a lot of film, working the phones, you know, still doing our homework. It's just mm-hmm. you know, plans have plans have changed. Yeah, no, absolutely. So who do you talk to on these meetings? Uh, like, do you meet with any of the players? Do you talk to the coaches? Uh, like, what's a typical trip like for you? Um. Yeah, but trips, you know, I'll go to the games early, talk with coaches. Um, it, don't talk to the players generally. And, you know, I think it, you know, a lot of times that's, that would be inappropriate uh, in that setting. But I'll talk to the assistant coaches, um, you know, and, and obviously evaluate the game. A lot of the conversations are really kind of heating up now that the season's over. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, now I'm dealing with, uh, you know, players, parents, um, agents, mm-hmm. talking with other teams, uh, different, different contacts that know the players just doing background work. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I'm in an interesting spot because I'm technically media, you know, but, but I've got 11 years of agent experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, I, I operate a consulting business behind the scenes where I'm, you know, I'm actually, um, you know, dealing with agents and players formally. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm able to kind of get a lot of insight and, um, you know, really just doing my best to make sure I'm, you know, I'm operating without any conflicts of interest and just giving people good advice, but also, you know, gathering some good information too, to, to help me do, uh, you know, do my stuff with Babcock Hoops. Yeah, 100%. And like something that we've always been interested in, can you tell us like an interesting story about a time that you went into the draft process, like pegging a guy, um, whether it's from the agent side or, or you know, the evaluator side that you are now, uh, we thought that he is like going to be the next big thing. And it just turned out to be a complete flop. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have one for you. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, Man, I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. And and I guess the flip side of things, have you picked a guy that you thought is going to be the big thing? And everyone's like, no, no, he's going to bust. Um, I mean, I was really high on Luca. I mean, you know, he went third. So, I mean, it wasn't <laughs> like he slipped that far. Um, you know, but I mean, it's really a tough deal when, when you're looking at the draft. Because, I mean, you know, even now is, uh, you know, I think a lot of the media and fans look at things okay uh, this guy got drafted here. I told you so kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And I think one thing that people are surprised to hear a lot of times is that every single team evaluates players differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if every team published their, their big board, the media and the fans would go nuts. Cause it'd be, so, there'd be so much uh, discrepancies from team to team. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, you know, with Babcock hoops, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I run, I run the, the charge as far as doing the mock draft, but we've got a full staff of guys that have, you know, a ton of experience. Yeah. And uh, so we're operating as if we were an NBA team. And so we just happen to publish our stuff and it, it might be, you know, a lot of times it's very different than a lot of media outlets because we're not, we're not playing copycat here. We're, we're actually giving out our own opinions, evaluating these guys, gathering information. Um, and so, you know, say a guy's a bust or he's not, I think a lot of it is a guy's got to get with the right team and, yeah. you know, get, get an opportunity, you know? And so, I mean, I think there's a number of players, you know, and you got you know both sides of the, the, the coin on this. If, uh, you know, guys that get the right opportunity and it just works out, you know, and, and, you know, other teams in the league might have not valued that guy like that. And one guy that comes to mind with that, uh, that situation exactly is Josh Koji from a couple of years ago yeah. uh, from Georgia tech. I personally wasn't that high on him going mm-hmm. into the draft. And I think they took Minnesota took him at like 20 mm-hmm. and uh, I thought it was a horrible pick, <laughs> and they, but they believed in him. They gave yeah. him a role and he's done really well. And he's, mm-hmm. he's really kind of carved out a, a nice uh, career for himself. And yeah. if he, had, if he hadn't been taken there, what, what would have happened? I, I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think Okoji is one of those guys where, 
if he slips to 29-30 and he never gets any minutes, you know, they would say, oh, he can't play offensively in the NBA and he never gets to do that, you know, bulldog mentality role. But the draft really is hard because I know we were right about Luka Doncic. Like me and him, out of all our friends that we know, uh, I mean, he was my number one. And I wasn't even... I, I wasn't even confused about it. Yeah. I yeah. thought, you know, DeAndre Ayton, he's a special talent. He's, you know, so long and athletic. I said, but centers don't win you games anymore. No, I said, you know, Luca, he can shoot the ball. He can dribble the ball. He can pass yeah. the ball. He can do everything you want to do. But I was famously wrong about Trey Young. I'm a Hawks fan, <laughs> and I was devastated when we traded yeah. Luca uh, for Trey in a pick. I thought we, I thought it was going to be like Pau Gasol, you know, trade all over again. Or, or, no, or when we, or when my we took, uncle made that trade, by the way. What did you say? My, my uncle made that Pau Gasol trade. Oh, really? Oh, he did? No, that makes me look really <laughs> bad. We're like, or or when we didn't get, you know, Chris Paul and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, I was really wrong about Trey, and I'm happy. So, it is really hard to evaluate to these evaluate guys. These guys. I mean, like, it's, it's like, you know, it's, like you said, fit, all these things play such a big factor in, you know, the team that takes them. Like, I mean, like Mo Bamba, for example, would he be better on a team, like, if the Celtics had drafted him instead of the Magic, would he be better, like, uh, like you know, than he is right now? I, everyone knew he was a prospect. He was kind of raw coming out of college. Would he have been drafted as early if we knew about that? No, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, I think, again, sort of just you know, piggyback on what I was saying before is, you know, a player gets an opportunity and a team that's going to invest time and money and resources into him and allow him to develop confidence because, I mean, this is this is sports. I mean, it's so much about confidence. If you don't have confidence, you're not going to be able to succeed. And, um, yeah, if you're trying to find the, the spot where you're able to, you know, learn and grow and develop, you know, it's, it's really important. It's just it's it's really hard to – um, you know, sort of pinpoint, you know, who fits where and, and all that. And, you know, so many different philosophies of how the game should be played. Yeah. And like, I guess finally going into it, you know, have you heard anything from uh, your end or anywhere in the league? Like, what is the process going to be like with everything going around, around with uh, Corona and everything? Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's so much uncertainty. I mean, my 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 phone's been blown up with agents last last week or two of everybody scrambling like, what do we do? And you know, all these players want to start signing with us and training, which costs a lot of money. And yeah. so, I mean, it's you know, the the question is, okay, if a prospect's starting to train now and agents have to pay for it. What what are you training for? You know, and when, yeah. when is it? It's I mean, you know, agent you know can't pay for you know a, a player's housing and training forever without any kind of, you know, end in sight, um, which is creating a lot of, you know, complications, you know, on the back end of things. And um, as far as I'm here on the NBA side, they, I mean, they're going to do everything they possibly can to get a playoffs going, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, my, my dad works in Milwaukee Bucks. So, I mean, we're, okay. we're watching that closely because, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if they end up scratching the season, season yeah. I mean, the Bucks and Lakers get, yeah. get screwed the most. You yeah, know? 100%. Um, and so, I mean, what I'm hoping for is they find out a way of playing games with probably without fans in July sometime uh, and move back free agency in the draft to August. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be, you know, r- realistic, you know, good, good situation. Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. Is, is there any particular player who you were looking for to see how they did in the tournament that maybe now isn't getting that opportunity to, uh, to show that and they in, in turn hurt their draft stock? 
Uh, no, not not necessarily with the the tournament. I mean, by that point, I mean at least for us, I mean we we, we know everybody that's playing yeah. college. We watched all year. We knew that most of these guys going into the season. Um, I think where where there's more concern is without a pre-draft process, some of these guys that are somewhat of mystery men. Yeah. Um, that that kind of needed that process of you know the NBA Combine and um, you know workouts and interviews and um, you know with the uncertainty of that, like that's that's thrown a curveball. I mean, um, for example, Jay Scrub, which you know, I don't know if you guys have heard this guy's name. He's a, he's a junior college star uh, from Louisville. He's committed to Louis, uh, Louisville for next year. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's going to put his name in the draft. You know, with him being somewhat of a hidden hidden gem in, in yeah. the junior college ranks, he kind of needed the combine. He needed the yeah, workouts to kind of get get over the hump. Everybody everybody knows his name. Everybody's, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to get the information they need to feel comfortable staying. Maybe they will. Yeah. Um, a couple other guys like that. Josh Hall is a high school kid at a prep school in Carolina uh, that's going to be eligible for the draft. I, I think he might put his name in. Mm-hmm. Same story. Uh, Mocker Maker situation. Um, you know, a, a fifth year you know prep guy uh, that they they did an appeal with the NBA to have him be in this year's draft yeah. and he got approved. So I mean, these guys are probably going to put their names in. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how it unfolds for them because it's just the you know what information are they going to be able to get? Is that Thon Maker's brother? Does he have a brother? Or uh, cousin, I believe. Okay, okay cool. Okay, cool. Interesting. Well, uh, we really appreciate your time. We don't have any further questions. Is there anything else you want to tell us, or anything you want to plug? If you got, you know, Babcock hoops or whatever. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, with no live games, uh, you know, planned anytime soon, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're not slowing down our, our, our coverage of the yeah. draft, and we're watching a lot of video and doing a lot of homework. We'll, we'll keep pumping out content. So follow us uh, on Twitter at Babcock Hoops. My, my personal account's uh, Matt Babcock Eleven, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and check our site uh, BabcockHoops.com. Awesome. Yeah, hundred percent. Thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Have, Have a good, good one. one. What's up, guys? It's Quentin, the producer for Two View Crew. Maybe one day I'll be able to come onto the show and share my opinion with you guys, but for now, this is my 20 seconds for whatever it's worth. It's my opinion that you need to follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, anything social media that you can think of. Look us up for Two View Crew. Also, make sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Music. Maybe one day they'll let me on the show, but for now, thanks for listening.